people-pleasing falls at the opposite end of the scale from autonomy. Autonomy places emphasis on independence, whereas people-pleasers prioritize interpersonal relationships above all else and focuses more on a dependent relational aspect. It is important to pay close attention to when you begin to focus more heavily on pleasing students or possibly entertaining them that your focus and role as teacher becomes skewed. People pleasers are often extremely empathetic and attuned to others' needs, which is not a bad quality at all. As in most aspects of life, moderation and balance are required to maintain healthy boundaries and approaches towards interacting with others. A people pleaser tends to have a strong desire for external validation and avoids or is sensitive to situations that could possibly lead to anything other than a pleasing experience. People pleasers will go above and beyond to avoid displeasing others out of fear of diminished social acceptance and people pleasing shows up in yoga classes. Welcome to the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, the podcast for yoga teachers to learn tips, techniques, and teaching approaches in order to build confidence and success teaching yoga. I am your host, Sandy Raper, and on this podcast, I am going to share with you my strategies and approach to teaching, along with stories from many teaching experiences that have supported me within a thriving teaching career for over two decades. Before we get further into today's episode, I want to be sure to share with you that I will begin offering an online version of my 200-hour yoga teacher training in early 2024. I am working now to fine-tune all of the details, and I am excited to offer this training in a virtual format. Although the training will be virtual, it will be filled with the personal touches and interactions with me that would be present in an in-person format so that I can, once again, expand connection with those of you that I might not necessarily meet in person or be able to interact with in an in-person style training while also providing in this virtual format an opportunity for a wonderful learning experience through the journey of yoga teacher training. There is so much more (laughs) that I could keep sharing, and I will plan to do that in the coming weeks and episodes. But for now, if your curiosity has been piqued, or you've been contemplating a yoga teacher training for a while now, then I want to personally invite you to consider my online yoga teacher training as an option. 
to further that exploration, you'll want to get your name on my wait list so that you will be the first to receive all of those details I've mentioned about this upcoming teacher training. How do you get on the wait list? Well, first of all, it's free. There is no obligation, no commitment. Click the link in the show notes that will take you to my website. And there, all you have to do is submit your name and email and you're on the list. That's it. And once you've done that, you will also receive a wonderful bonus PDF that I want to send directly to your inbox with what I consider to be the five must-haves for a yoga teacher training. And these five must-haves are what I infuse within every training that I lead. And these must-haves set you up for success within the training and for success as you venture out to begin sharing and serving your community teaching yoga. I can't wait to share more with you about this teacher training, but for now, go get on the wait list. All right, back to today's episode. I'm sure you have been waiting anxiously for me to share that defining moment when my approach to teaching changed forever. I'm not going to make you wait and listen until the very end. So here it is, the moment that I realized that I was not going to be everyone's teacher. That moment was an overwhelming relief and a moment that I stepped into a sense of freedom. I have carried this freedom now with me since, and it still shapes my approach to teaching. This sweet release was a pivotal moment in my teaching career and one that I share often with other teachers and especially those that I train to teach. We are not meant to be pleasing to everyone. That is not our purpose. And it certainly isn't a part of the defining why that we were called to teach. The moment you embrace the calling to teach was not based upon any desire to be liked or celebrated by anyone else for your skill set of leading a yoga class. The calling to teach comes from a much deeper space within, a space that does seek connection, although this connected space is not one that is curated from the need to please or be all things to all people. This lofty assumption and need to please will become a hindrance and it will impede your ability to truly step into the purpose in which you're called to serve as a yoga teacher. When I think about the obstacles or challenges that yoga teachers encounter and have shared with me, I most often hear lack of confidence as a primary factor. As I evaluate this lack of confidence and continually seek to discover how this shows up in the yoga class experience, I begin to see glimpses of teachers trying to be all things or please or entertain the students that come to their classes. 
I speak often on the podcast of the concept of developing autonomy within the practice of yoga. And in particular, as a yoga teacher, you have a substantial responsibility and contribution to make that aids in guiding others and students in that development. To bring this back to people-pleasing and understanding how this may or may not be showing up in your classes or how it is affecting the underlying implications of your teaching methodology, I want to share the impact that people-pleasing can make on you as an individual and as a teacher. Let me note here too, whether or not you're listening and you're a yoga teacher, this still applies first and foremost to how we show up as students as well. You see, you could be entering classes seeking to please the teacher as much as teachers come to classes seeking to please the students. There's a reciprocity quality to this concept of people-pleasing. And I want to highlight today how this could be impacting those relationships and that relational aspect of teaching, as well as how you relate to your personal practice in yoga. Considering that creating and maintaining healthy relationships require warmth, understanding, empathy, care, and awareness, People pleasers have these qualities actually in abundance. However, people pleasers tend to struggle with poor self-worth and their need for external validation can become distracting, weakening the relational interaction. Not only does people pleasing affect your emotional well-being and health, it can also break down the very relationships that you seek to secure. Considering these implications, let's now discuss how people-pleasing impacts the development of autonomy. Understanding this aspect of teaching as a primary factor in your overall methodology and approach to teaching will support you with a foundation that will guide the way you prepare, organize your class sequences, and ultimately how you show up and hold space for people. Holding space that is supportive towards the independent creative space where people create their experience based upon their choosing within a balanced and healthy environment where all of the individuals, all of the students are equipped with guidance that isn't dictated by the teacher trying to be liked or even pleasing, or in the case of the student, the student trying to please the teacher. You can hold this powerful space of leadership as a teacher, trusting in the teachings of yoga and the acknowledgement of knowing that it's the teachings that lead others to transformation. I've said it before and I'll emphasize it again, as a yoga teacher, you are not the teachings of yoga. You are the vessel or conduit that is sharing the teachings. So how is autonomy created within the yoga practice? Let's explore three considerations that you can implement within how you lead others through the yoga practice 
And these considerations can be applied within the experience that you create and have as a student as well. Remember that you are always a student of the practice first. And then if you also teach yoga, then the experience you have and create as a student will become infused and become a byproduct within how you teach the practice. If we want to seek to develop and guide others towards autonomy, then first account for the time of curiosity and discovery within your classes. Take note that it takes time to offer guidance that supports curiosity and discovery. This may be challenging to those of us that are teaching flow style classes, but within these styles of classes, we can support and offer guidance with our words, our cues and directives, along with the moments of pause and inquiry. This is those times and spaces where students can begin to explore, notice, and discover their own experience while staying rooted in the agency of their choosing. So are you willing to slow down the rhythm or pace of your class? Are you willing to incorporate these reflective moments of inquiry or are you more focused on moving on to the next pose or the next piece of your planned sequence? These will be inquiries that you'll need to make in order to infuse this time of curiosity and discovery within your classes. The second consideration to make is a choice to challenge default patterns. When we're seeking to develop autonomy, we have to take note of those default settings that we operate within. This is where as a teacher and student, you evaluate when your practice has fallen into the default system of movement, possibly doing so within an autopilot setting to where you're no longer evaluating how you're doing what you're doing, and this is that aspect of getting to your destination, but not really remembering the details or aspect of how you even got there. Has that ever happened to you while you're driving? It's happened to me and it's scary even. It's no different on the yoga mat. If we reside in our default pattern of moving and practicing, we will miss great opportunities for growth and fresh encounters that await us each and every time we dedicate to the practice, whether that's in an asana practice or meditation piece of the practice. Challenging default patterns invites us to stay present for the real-time experience of life happening and unfolding within each moment. As teachers, we can guide students to once again pause and acknowledge how they are being versus what they are doing. We can challenge default patterns by offering options to consider and explore in regards to the relationships we encounter during the practice. Our relationship with gravity even, the adjustments we make within how we position ourselves in the various yoga poses within our unique skeletal proportions of our bodies and how we presence ourselves. 
noticing, observing, and making necessary adjustments and adaptations for how we will be in the pose that given day, that moment. The challenge of default patterns leads us to the next consideration when it comes to developing autonomy, and that's to choose not to check the box. This applies to your personal practice time and speaking into the yoga teachers that are listening. This speaks to teaching yoga. Is your approach to teaching one where you have a set plan and you go in to lead the set plan with little room for the spontaneity that will be required that supports the various students that actually show up to class that given day? Consider whether teaching is about people, students fitting into your plan, or are you stepping into the classes you're teaching with the attitude and preparation to adapt and adjust your plan to meet the needs of those who come to practice? Once again, it requires time and it requires this willingness to not just check the box. This is a big one. It applies to how we approach practicing asana as well. Are we more focused on aligning into the perfect shape or creating the perfect image or aesthetic of the shape of the pose? Or are we moving and creating shapes where the primary focus aligns with our primary focus placed on how we are breathing in the shape and adjusting the shape to accommodate the steadiness of the inhalation and exhalation. The breath is primary and the asana, the shape we're creating, is secondary. How we are in the shape and how we ultimately express the shape is dependent on how we are breathing in the shape, how we are being in the shape. The breath is life and the breath is presence first and foremost. I want to encourage you to take a few moments and reflect and even journal possibly your response to the considerations I've just offered so that you might better understand how you're showing up for yourself on the mat and then how you're showing up as a teacher of the practice. Could your focus be more heavily residing on the aspect of people pleasing? pleasing your yoga teacher or being a yoga teacher that seeks to please students. I'll leave you with those moments of reflection and then consider this the next time you practice and the next time you step in to lead a yoga class. Thank you for joining me today. Before you go, would you do me a big favor? Share this episode with someone else or just share the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training podcast with someone else. And if you haven't clicked the follow button, then do that so that the Beyond Yoga Teacher Training podcast will be easy for you to find and you'll stay informed of the new episode releases. Until we meet again, thank you. Thank you for joining me today, and I wish you well along life's journey, and I'll look forward to spending time with you in the next episode.